Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Thanks for listening to Creative Control. Uh, While I have you here, please consider supporting Youth Empowerment and Support Services, otherwise known as YES. Based in Edmonton, Alberta, YES provides immediate and low-barrier overnight and day shelter, temporary supportive housing, and individualized wraparound supports for young people aged 15 to 24. They work collaboratively within a network of care focused on the prevention of youth homelessness by providing youth with the necessary supports to stabilize their housing, improve their well-being, build life skills, connect with community, and avoid re-entry into homelessness. Learn more about how to donate or otherwise support YES by visiting YESS.org. Hey, this is Trevor from Halifax calling in to say that I support Creative Control on Patreon because I think long-form arts journalism is a crucial part of music culture and there's simply not enough of it out there today. Vish is a master interviewer, he lands great guests, and he has his finger on the pulse of the ever-changing music landscape both here in Canada and abroad. For all of these reasons and many more, I think you should support Creative Control on Patreon too. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash creative control today. I'm Visha's wife, and I will love him no matter what you do. And now he has me on the record saying that. John Linnell is a multi-instrumentalist, composer, and lyricist based in New York City. Along with John Flansburg, Linnell co-founded They Might Be Giants in 1982, launching one of the most successful and prolific music partnerships in history and releasing 22 albums to date. Since their inception, They Might Be Giants have sold millions of records, been nominated for a Tony Award, have won two Grammy Awards, including one for their signature song, Boss of Me, which was the theme for the popular TV show Malcolm in the Middle. They also perform the theme music for The Daily Show, and they continue to be a popular touring band. Their latest release is Book, which is both an excellent new album and also an artful hardcover book showcasing the band's lyrics and unique typography as designed by Paul Sayre and accompanied by the beautiful photography of Brian Carlson. Book, the record, and the book were released on October 29th, 2021, and prompted John and I to have a conversation all about If Dogs Run Free, the making of and ideas behind Book, the dark whimsy of They Might Be Giants and next year marking the band's 40th anniversary, narrative songwriting, playing late-night talk shows, electric typewriters, If Day for Winnipeg, politics in Canada and America, The Larry Sanders Show and Scott Thompson of The Kids in the Hall, Future Plans and much more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creative control plus in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario. This is the 646th episode of Creative Control 
featuring the lovely and talented John Linnell from They Might Be Giants with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Hi, John. How's it going? It is going well. How are you, sir? I'm well. It's nice to uh, speak with you. It's an honor to speak with you, first of all, or second of all. I already said hello. Second of all, <laughs> where in the world are you today? I'm up upstate in upstate New York um, in my little, my little getaway up here, uh, which is why I'm recording this interview on my iPhone, because uh, I don't have my <laughs> – I'm not in my fancy pro studio down in New York City. Uh, where I where I spend most of my time, but I'm I'm up here now. Mainly, I have these dogs with me, and rather than walk around the city and pick up after them in plastic bags, I think it's nicer to have them just run around outside and be free. So, and really, it's on behalf of the dogs that I'm he- I'm here. <laughs> well, I don't know. It sounds like it's on behalf of the dogs. It sounds like it's more on behalf of you. So you don't have to be picking up. Well, the poop. that's an interesting point. No, I think we I think we both of us benefit. I think the dogs <laughs> like it better up here, and and indeed, I do uh, appreciate the freedom that I enjoy. <laughs> well, I hope your uh, fellow uh, hikers and uh, neighbors appreciate your freedom uh, as well. <laughs> All the poop lining the. The walkways. No, no, that sounds great. Uh, what are you like near New Paltz or something? That's what I think of when I think of upstate New York. Now I'm, I'm a little further up. Yeah. Upstate is massive. Um, um I'm up true. near Albany. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Nice. Yeah. Well, it's uh, lovely to chat with you, uh, as I say. And, uh, we're here to talk about this very ambitious, uh, project. Uh, I feel like most they might be giants projects are fairly ambitious. Is that wrong? Am I wrong? Do you feel like that? Um, Do you feel I like. Think- I, I would say we have sort of what, I mean, we're very accustomed to our own level of ambition. We, we don't tend to calibrate it. Actually, I, I should say when we made our first children's record, we didn't really have a clear idea of how big of a deal it was going to wind up being. We sort of felt like we were goofing around. And in a way, that was the key to the success of the kids record was that the first kids record was that I think we were really enjoying ourselves making it. We weren't thinking that it would have much of an impact. And as a result, the sort of carefree quality came through, I think. But with the stuff that we do for adults, yeah, we're, 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 we're generally at about the same level of uptightness about, uh, <laughs> making it come out nice and trying not to sound too uptight, you know. Yeah. Uh, straining, straining to not sound uptight. Um, so, uh, <laughs> that's the blurb. That's, that's, our that's usual- the blurb on book, by the way, for those of you, for those who haven't picked <laughs> yes. it up yet. <laughs> exactly. Now, the first children's album, as I recall, was that the one that uh, won you a Grammy award? Uh, no, uh, we, we, we got a, we got a Grammy for the, um, I think it was the, Second of the oh. Disney DVDs that oh, we I'm came sorry. out with. Okay, um, that's okay. I mean, I guess the Disney thing in my head, I conflated Disney with children's album. But all I was getting at there, because you uh, you referenced the the unexpected success of the of the yep. of the children's albums, and also yes. because you didn't you were treating it. It seems to me like more of a lark. And isn't that interesting when the thing that you're not uptight about transcends your expectations that's fairly i i find that happens a lot the thing you're like yeah i I put three seconds of thought into this now everyone's talking about it whereas the thing i spent a year deliberating over or you know that's the way the world is these days i feel like with social media like the person who writes like hamburgers are good Fifty thousand retweets, <laughs> and someone else is like, "I feel like the policy making, and you know, it does okay." But anyway, yeah. do you find that isn't that weird that the thing you care the least? About- I think that's yeah. I think it's it's you're right that it's true. It's 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 uh, manifestly true in you know social media now, but it's always been true of the creative act. I think that often your best ideas are the ones that come very quickly and and sort of naturally and and just feel like easy for other people to digest because they just came out so naturally, I think is often the case. Um, I would say that occasionally you labor over something and the work that you put into it pays off. And so that sort of balances out that thing because it is often worthwhile. We've had songs, for example, that we revised multiple times where each revision was an improvement or we've done multiple takes of a song where 
we notice, oh, this part is working, you know, like we put thought and work into it and that actually does make it better. But I think you try and strike a balance and we actually do both both of those things. We have like the tossed off masterpiece and the, uh, you know, and the incredibly uh, labored over uh, what, what have you. Yeah, no, I, I feel it. I, I, I feel that and I feel like that's true of of the band uh, as well. So uh, speaking of ambitious projects, potentially labored over projects, let's talk about book uh, because it is not simply uh, an album. It is, there's a book. There's a book. It's aptly named. Yes. And I wonder when the, let's just to, to get people uh, on the same page, no pun intended, where did the concept of a uh, book come from and, and when did you conceive of it? Right. Uh, it's 2021 as we're speaking, but it seems to me that this was, uh, took some time, perhaps. Uh, can you talk about those things? Why and when? Why and when? Um, well, when was after we'd begun writing and demoing songs for this project, uh, which is our usual thing. We come off the road and we start writing right away. And we often are writing kind of in advance of, you know, there's there's often songs that wind up on an album that were written two cycles ago, for example. So that was the that was the when the book concept came in the middle of it. And then the why, I, I think you'd have to ask my partner because it was really his, his inspiration was to come up with a package. You know, I think he was thinking, well, let's do something different. What kind of, he's generally the one in charge of the art direction of our work. And I think he felt like this should really be a, a package. Uh, we could actually do something, make a physical object, not, you know, you could you can buy the you can buy the album separately from the book if you want to. Um, but more and more, it seems like there's something very ephemeral seeming about putting out online music as a download or whatever. That it doesn't it doesn't feel as tangible as stuff from our early lives. So this seemed like a nice way to make something, make an object that you could actually have and and. Um, wasn't just a little, you know, CD package. It was like a, a full 12 inch vinyl sized book with a hardcover. And I think John had come across the photographers, Brian Carlson's work. At some point, he, he discovered Brian Carlson and got in touch with him and said, you know, we'd like to maybe do a collaboration. What, you know, we'd be interested in contributing photos to a book that contains music and, and also has lyrics. And that was sort of the very, just the germ of the idea. And Brian, of course, was very, uh, very into it, which was uh, great. Because I think that his photographs do feel in some ways visually like an analog of some of the, some of the stuff that we do. It, just in a very, in a very vibey way. I think there's something about his, his pictures that, that remind me of the way some of the songs make you feel, but that's a very subjective thing, obviously. Well, um, no, I, I was going to say there's a, uh, if I may, uh, uh, be reductive. I mean, there's always been a dark whimsy, if yep. you will. Dark to, whimsy. Uh, yeah, dark whimsy. Blurb I'll ta- that as well. I'll take this it. is just whole things blurbs. We're it's just coming blurb, up with little blurb stickers blurb for that. <laughs> <laughs> so there's always been a dark whimsy to they might be giants, and then when I look at Brian's photos here, and I'm not, I wasn't familiar with Brian's work. Uh, it's, it's really beautiful. I love the photographs. Uh, each one to me, uh, you know, I don't mean to be a stereotypical or cliche, but the, each photo, t- there's a story in each photo. Absolutely. And when it's, yep, when yep. it's sort of connected to a song, for example, there's, uh, the, the opening, uh, song, uh, synopsis for latecomers has this line, who ate the babies? That's, uh, that's dark. That's dark. And it's not really whimsical. It's dark. Well, babies make you think, oh, babies. I like babies. But then who ate the babies? That's bad. But then you look at the accompanying photo. I don't know if you remember this from the book. It's probably been some time since you had a good look at it. Maybe I I don't know. I can, I can open up my copy and and, and follow, follow along. Yeah. Please do. The, the accompanying photo, uh, is, uh, it seems to be a refuse on the street, trash on the street. And there seems to be a child. Covered in plastic, uh, as though uh, it were dead, and uh, uh, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, so I'm awful. like, oh, so like I'm reading the lyrics, and then I'm and listening to the song, 
which has a very martial kind of martial beat kind of, you know, like a parade or yeah, something or almost absolutely. a military procession. And then you've got this photo of a child that's clearly been like, Ugh, you know, the, the coroner's drape, if you will. And I'm like, mm. oh, my God, this is dark. But is that what you're kind of getting at, the complimentary nature? <laughs> Uh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I, we, 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 re, we tend to avoid what John sometimes refers to as say, uh, in our, in our videos. And I think that was the case here. We didn't want a book that is just illustrations of our lyrics. So that was, well, I mean, it is certainly a serendipitous relationship because I don't think Brian had listened to our song or was particularly taking photographs to try and go along with the song. Yeah. Um, so I think that, that it's more a case where, where the photo was chosen, uh, because it went along with the vibe. Now, all right. I'm looking at the book. Oh yeah. I see that it, you're in, you're correct that that photo does go along with the, um, with the first track on the album. Are you, um, are you, are you just fact checking me right now? I, I know what I'm saying. I, 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 I don't know. I, I, I know. I just hadn't, I needed to refresh, <laughs> refresh my no, memory. I appreciate uh, that. I, no, I, I appreciate, I appreciate that. But I, you see what, you see where I'm coming from, right? You, you hear the line and you read the line. Who ate the yeah. baby? Do you know what that's even a reference to? Who ate the babies? Do you um, want to characterize the uh, song? <laughs> uh, uh, the song is a, is a, is a kind of a, as you, I'm sure you know this from reading the lyrics um, or hearing the song, yeah. that it's about um, a sort of there's been a catastrophe and and someone in a in a kind of you know position of authority is trying to reassure everybody that everything that can be done to manage the situation is being done, but in that typically kind of um, not very reassuring way. <laughs> um, and that's it's it's you know that's the basic outline of the song, and and then it's a list of unbelievable catastrophic events um yeah there's, and, there's, uh, I, I get I, I get what you were saying earlier about how book as a physical uh product seems to fly in the face of the fleeting consumption we're all used to right now you know like uh, mm -hmm. intangible stuff but otherwise do you feel like lyrically like so so sorry the actual manifestation of book as a record as a as a as a book uh, seems to be a comment in itself about contemporary life. What about lyrically? Were these songs written uh, in relation to the pandemic and what we learned right, uh, lear right. learned about good, the pandemic? Good question. I had to. I've been asked that before, and I had to think about it. In the case of this song, um, I think that I, I wrote the song uh, uh, before the pandemic began. Uh, although we we finished the. Um, Recording, we were a little ways into the pandemic yeah. by that time. Um, and it may be that the choice, well, actually, you know, I have to say, like, I, it was the other guys in the band who, who was Flansburg mainly who, who said that he wanted to put this first on the album. And I, 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 my response was like, are you, are you sure? I don't know. This, this doesn't feel like an album opener to me, but, but he, he kind of felt like it was a, Sending it was it was just sending the whole thing in a completely different direction from the typical uh, they might be giants album that it just, it just feels like a very different way to start uh, the album. Does it does it generally beyond the fact that it, a book accompanies it to you? Does it feel like a different they might be giants album per se? I think that in general, it's, it sounds a lot like us, you know, um, and I would say that's true of almost everything we do is that, is that it's, I, I would say it's identifiably us, but as you know, as you can imagine, like we're very close to the mm. project. So I don't even sometimes know what we sound like. I, I don't know. For example, if I heard a parody of our music, I wouldn't necessarily recognize it because to me, we just, we, this is just what we do. And it's not, uh, it's a bit like the way, you have a clear sense of what all your friends look like. But when you look in the mirror, you, 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 you don't necessarily feel the same way about your own face. Mm. You know that it's, it's, um, you, you don't know how to characterize your own appearance. Right. Fair enough. I think as, as, as readily as, and I, you know, so I think that's, that's true in the case of our band that I, I don't know, I don't know what we sound like or what we, I don't know what we mean to other people exactly, except what I what I hear from people say. But yeah. but that's a, a very secondhand yeah. impression. Well, when I th when I think of uh, the contemporary resonance of some of the songs, I mean, we've been all dealing with a, a situation that has heightened our recognition of where our leadership has failed, 
And, and sure. so that's where I hear like there's, there's the existential stuff that I, I, I feel like occurs within your music sometimes. Uh, but then there's uh-huh. more, there's some critical, like the existential stuff here. There's a song called Brontosaurus. And I, I yep. thought, oh, well, this is about the extinction of humankind. And I maybe drew too fine a line between the dinosaur and human beings. But that's how it feels these days. A lot of existential angst. I, the song, uh, the right. song I Broke My Own Rule features a lyric, jump from the top of the absence of responsibility and float into emptiness, which to me, that's like a lot of what kind of criticisms we have right now about our lot in life has to do with people abdicating their responsibility. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I can, I can, I can speak to that a little bit about that song. I would say I like everybody's interpretations of all our stuff because I think it, they're intentionally open ended yeah. and, and it's, it's good if it suggests all sorts of things. That's actually a good result. But, but for my own part, I would, I would say that I broke my own rule is really a more of a personal song about failing to, to meet your own, uh, standards and that kind mm. of maybe just to return to the theme of being uptight, like the idea that you, 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 you set standards for yourself and then there's this heartbreaking thing where you, you realize nobody else maybe even cares, but you didn't execute, you know, some, something in the way that you, normally do and and you feel like you know what i mean there's a kind well, of a sense I, of this like this is how i feel well, all the time yeah. this is how i feel every day i'm like what am i doing why do i do it yeah absolutely i agree yeah yeah so that's really what that that one's about is that that sort of you know like for example i have an obsession with keeping the kitchen counter clean and it drives me crazy when i fail to do that like i'm you know i come into the kitchen i realize like i've left a mess and i'm the one who's usually the the kind of you know doctrinaire person about not doing that so i'm like oh my god no you know uh but that's just a very narrow and personal thing that i have about this song and i like the idea that it you know that it that it means more than one thing well uh, but i do think like again contemporary resonance i think we all are having this reckoning like are we too hard on ourselves there's a heightened recognition there's a heightened recognition of people's uh, self-awareness sure. and anxiety about themselves and how they fit in the world. So that's a very interesting, yeah. I appreciate you articulating your perspective on this song because I viewed it yeah. as maybe, uh, someone talking, uh, one of you, I suppose, speaking to, uh, external, uh, failures. But you're, you're describing something that a lot of us are going through, this sort of, what do they call it these yeah. days? Imposter syndrome these days. I think they've been imposter syndrome. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah <laughs> so yeah. there's, there's yeah. stuff like that yeah. circulating. So there's a self awareness there is, I, I guess what you're saying. I suppose. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I would say in general, John and I don't write broad social kind of cri- criticisms or, or, or analyses, you know, or we don't, we're not trying to. And we tend to write. I mean, obviously we're also not writing about our personal lives in an autobiographical way. Yeah. You know, yeah. we're kind of loath to try and write a confessional song, I would say. Um, not that I, I like, I like it when other people do that, but I, I don't particularly want to do that myself. Uh, is that for, so, is that for privacy yeah. purposes, so to speak? No, I think it's more like, I, I just don't feel comfortable writing, oh, I got up this morning and, and blah, 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 right. you know. And having it be about me, I, I really like writing fiction. I guess maybe that's mm. the, the shorthand way of saying it. I, I like the idea of you create a character, and that person is the narrator of your song, or or you know that or, or that or or maybe it's a song about something going on. But you're just describing. You're you're st- you're telling a story, and I like storytelling. Um, so that's kind of my, my feeling about it. You know, I know that in, in, even in contemporary fiction, there's a strong tendency for people to, to, you know, like the, what's his name? Knausgaard writing of, of where you really are just detailing your personal life. Uh, and again, I'm, I, I, I'm interested when other people do it, but I, I don't feel like that's my thing. Yeah. No, that's fair. That's fair enough. You shouldn't feel bad about that. I don't feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> but but thank you thank you for that. <laughs> you your band has been together uh what almost 40 years it feels like is that right it feels like yep. I don't know why where that is... where it feels like that but I <laughs> in my foot I can tell no. Uh Yeah yeah yeah. Is that yeah. is that right ne- no, it, next year is that right? I would, 
Yeah, that is that is right. And I would say the opposite. It, to me, it doesn't feel like 40 years, but it is it is actually chronologically almost 40 years, which is completely nuts. That is nuts. Um, yeah. But because um, I, of course I, I I'm around. 43. So that means uh, I was three yeah. years old. I just was doing some math for us, John. And I was uh, <laughs> I was three and you had a band and that band and me were both still around. That's good. It is good. That's good. I'm glad. I'm glad that that's true. Um, yeah. So it, I guess I, I'm pointing to the. I'm pointing this out because it's fascinating to me that you still. Again, you haven't uh, delved into your personal self doubt, but this notion that this song that we were just talking about is a manifestation of you and your thoughts, right? So sure, absolutely. even if you yes, create, yes. I, when, with fiction, I mean, when people create characters, those characters are based on things they know. And feel, right? So they're part of them. Right. So all I'm getting at there is 40 years in, you still have this, it's, it's a combination, I assume, of humility, a little bit of self doubt, but that's what, what more can you prove at this point? Is that what I'm getting at? 40 years of being in a top tier band, you're doing okay, I would think. Don't you feel that most days? I, I like writing songs and John does too. I, I think that's, that's the thing that drives us. And, um, it would be a shame if we, uh, if we started to feel like we were, we weren't any good at it or we'd exhausted all the good ideas. But I guess we are either deluding ourselves and we're, we're, we're just carrying on. Uh, you know, Randy, Randy Newman said something about that. It's like, there's nobody, there's nobody there to tell you, like, just stop, just give up, man. You're, you're done, you know, yeah. but, uh, you know, it's, it is certainly the case that other artists, almost all of them. And the ones that I admire do a lot of their best work early on in their lives. Um, so I guess, um, well, I'm grateful that anybody is, is still, uh, is still enjoying what we're doing. And we, and we obviously do, we go out and play and people, people show up. And so, um, well, you know, my, I've had seems, the, the, like- the record on in the kitchen. So the family hears it. And my wife is mm-hmm. like, this is great. She just was really enjoying, uh, the songs. Uh, uh that's nice. Uh, yeah. So like, it, it's still, uh, very powerful and really, uh, you know, artistically, it's great. It's great. So that's, you're doing well is all I'm getting at is that I just Thank wanted you. to, I Thank just you. wanted for what it's worth from me in Canada, you're doing well. <laughs> now we talked, Excellent. we talked briefly about Brian Carlson and I want to ask you a little bit as much as you know, cause I, I, I appreciate you, uh, suggesting that maybe your partner, John might know, more about sort of the arts, uh, the art concepts and the nuts and bolts of how things happen. So, sure. but I do want to ask about the, the, the type is just as significant, uh, to the yes. actual book. Uh, and so yep. I want to talk about Paul Sayre in a moment, but just back to Brian Carlson for a second. You suggested that John, your, your, your partner and they might be giants, John. It's confusing. You're both named John. I just want everyone listening. Yeah. I know you're John. It's fine. John, uh, did he reach out to Brian? Was Brian a fan of the band? Do you have any knowledge of that? How that conduit of I, activity I, began? I, I can I can tell you that John reached out to Brian. I, I don't I don't I don't I've never met Brian actually. Oh, you've so never I, I met him. Know, oh, okay. Uh, I've never I've never met him, so I I don't I don't know what his is. Obviously, he was agreeable to this project, and that's un- unfortunately that's the extent of what I know about him personally. But I obviously uh, I'm very much. Uh, a fan of his work. Yeah. So. so did John and and Brian discuss? Like I said, I I put a heavy hand on how one image I thought connected to a song. They don't all sure. they don't all do that necessarily. But I mean, at the same time, there was probably intent in placing certain yes. photos by certain uh, yes. writing. Is yes. that true? That that was I would say that that was John Flansburg. Uh, uh, th- those were his choices. Uh, and and maybe to some extent Paul Sayre because I know that he uh, he was involved. I actually don't know this, but I, I think Paul Paul Sayre has done a lot of package design for us in the past, and and uh, so he may have been involved in the those sorts of decisions. But mainly, you know, Brian mainly was just contributing his work. I see. Okay, and we we were as, so he, as far as I'm aware. he he ostensibly said, "Here's a, a portfolio, if you will. Here's a here's a group of photos." Uh, that I think yeah. are strong, and then probably so basically everyone, well, yeah, yeah, they they put them together 
Do you know if there was intent to like a connion um, like did it- I, I appreciate that you're like they're like recreating I, the with my smoke, hands smoke filled room yeah, yeah I'm trying like, I'm using like, people can't see there this. they were I'm gesticulating there with my were. hands and it's it is a little I'm jazz <laughs> I'm kind of jazz hands it's uh just so people at home or wherever you're listening get a sense of it but yeah sorry uh back to what I was getting at there I'm sorry if I'm uh rambling or struggling to articulate it but basically I'm wondering to your knowledge is there intent between the placement of the photos as they relate to uh, not only the songs, but in some cases, as people will discover, the typeset uh, is in itself a design. Yes. Uh, it's a design. Yes. It's different each page. It's not, you know. That 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 question I can answer for okay, you. Okay, here we go. Um, here we there, go. Now we're there, cooking with the, gas. Yes. The answer <laughs> The answer to your question is yes, there was intent. Well, that was a uh, that was that was that was brief. That's it. There's you you were you were expecting a longer answer because you you lifted your coffee <laughs> cup up to your mouth like okay, I can take a break now. I have my and John's going to talk for like a minute about how this all came. Yeah, together. I have my late show but with I'm, David Letterman mug for those. Oh, look at that! A, did you, oh, you guys did that show, didn't awesome. you? How many times did you do the Letterman show? Well, we did we did Letterman a number of times, but then uh, it it, it kind of quickly morphed for us into the Conan show, and we we actually did Conan about a million. Yes, times. that's right. Uh, so that was that was that was the main thing we we wound up doing was like countless numbers of Conan appearances. Conan uh, um, is. Uh, can you see behind me to my here? Look, I'll do this. Look over here. You see that little poster of Conan? Oh yeah, I do. Yeah, so that's from the uh, what's it called? The leg- the legally prohibited from being funny on television tour twenty ten. So I attended so that. You, I attended that in cool. Toronto at Massey Hall. Uh, that's I, cool. Yeah. So Conan, Conan's big for me. That's awesome. And and uh, and who who was the opening act uh, at that? Do you remember? Was it? Um, um, I don't know that. I can't think of who. Was, sorry, this is uh, going back eleven years. I feel like perhaps the band opened up. Like I, I don't. Okay. I don't remember why. Were there opening acts? Were you? Oh, no, no. I just. I just know it was. Um, and I, now I'm completely blanking his name. But this is really talented uh, guy who does. Um, why am I forgetting his name? That's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, anyway, I think he was the opening act for a lot of that. Okay, tour. yeah. Um, there's a chance yeah. I there was an opener, but it was a bit of a blur. Uh, but I remember the show distinctly and Conan coming up all the way up to the balcony. And I mean, when is the last time you guys got to do a, a late night uh, talk show? Do you still get to do those opportunities come up? We, yeah, they do. Um, uh, I mean, it's obviously been sort of interrupted. We, we actually were booked to go out to LA and, and, uh, do one of them during the pen, uh, before the pandemic and that unfortunately got blown out. But yeah, we'll, I'm sure we're going to, we're, we're going to do more. Do you like um, that? Like, I feel like, one of the great fortunes uh, for your band is that uh, comedy people get it. Uh, that seems mm-hmm. to be a thing. Is that? Do you agree? Like, I feel like like you guys sure. are you're in the realm of comedy. Would you say? I would say that we are we are comedy adjacent, um, <laughs> and 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 we we you know we've done like for example we. Uh, what was the show? We did one of those shows where we had John Hodgman yes. come on and sort of narrate the middle bit of the song we were performing. And he's a good friend. And so it felt like, yeah, this is the kind of thing like we're, we're very comfortable in that environment. Do you have any you know? sense of like you're funny and the songs are also very heartfelt and sincere? But why? Do you have any sense of why comedians in particular uh, gravitate towards the band? I think that we, we're not trying to act cool. That's probably the... <laughs> Probably the main reason we're we're not we're not like pretending like oh yeah I don't I don't ever smile you know <laughs> I, like you know what I mean it's a de- so I, yeah yeah it's a, that's pretty much all it takes I guess you know it's like we're we're you know I and mean, a lot of bands have have funny lyrics I think you know I think the Smiths had funny lyrics absolutely um, yeah I do think um, there's a perception that when people are musicians anyway are funny that they uh, view what they're doing as some sort of novelty or they get tagged as such, right. which I always... F- that's the risk. I mean, that's the, the... Obviously, that's the one thing that makes people shy is they don't want to be considered a joke. And then there are, are bands who are just going for it, you know, yeah. being being completely ridiculous and, and, and they are comedy. And uh, that's nice. Um, <laughs> I, I probably I probably have a certain amount of that nervousness about being perceived as a joke that, and I think John feels the same way that we 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 kind of take ourselves a little too seriously, mm. even even though we don't 
want to be some heavy thing, you know, to, to lay a heavy trip on other people. Uh, we want people to enjoy it and have it be fun. But we also kind of maybe are a little bit uh, taking ourselves too seriously. Well, you have and, to take yourself so seriously. You got to get stuff done. And then if it's funny, Absolutely. if it happens to be something funny, all the funny stuff, people take it very – Conan O'Brien seems like one of the hardest, incessantly just working hard on everything he does. I think he's yeah, very serious sure. about being funny. So I think maybe you are very serious about being funny, witty. You know, you put a lot of thought and the, and the sound is very unique. So I think that's good. Right, right, right. Well, I think that the thing about a comedian is if, if they are not funny for any extended period of time, they're not doing their job. They're failing. And we are allowed to be not funny. We give ourselves permission to be not funny for probably most of the time. Yeah. So we're not, you know, we have the freedom to just uh, be creepy or whatever. <laughs> no, and, well, uh, mission accomplished. Yeah. It's very creepy as well, just so people aren't confused. <laughs> now, I want to ask about the typeset. Uh, as I said, Paul... Paul Sayer yes. uh, is involved in this process. You mentioned there was intent uh, in all regards, but there's a, a particular uh, company and typeset invol in involved in this book. Is that right? That is correct. And I can, I can give you the background because I was alive when the IBM Selectric was still in a very exciting and seemingly new piece of technology, although apparently... It was introduced in the early 1960s, I think. Mm. But when I was in high school, which was in the late 70s, it was still considered this incredibly cutting edge thing. And there were places that we visited. John and I both worked on the high school newspaper together. So I was aware of the uh, Selectric going to the printing house and doing, you know, doing all this stuff, you know, getting stuff typeset, but also being able to use this typewriter there. Uh, and then I think they had one at the church in our in our town. So you do your church newsletter on the on the IBM Selectric. So just to explain, it was an electric typewriter, which was not a new invention, but the new part was that it had a replaceable type head, which was a, a ball that had all of the different letters arranged in a, in a circle, three hundred and sixty degrees around this ball. And the machine, as you typed on it, would would lift the ball up and s snap it into the correct position and bash it against the page in just in this you know in a tiny fraction of a second. And uh, the idea behind it was you know instead of the the traditional electric or manual typewriter, which had uh, a series of hammers that had different letters, one on each hammer. So the idea of the ball was that you could actually remove the ball and replace it with a different ball with a different font on it. And this was absolutely revolutionary for a typewriter that you could change the typeface on an electric typewriter. Uh, we all thought it was the coolest thing we'd ever seen. Human, be human beings uh, are pretty magical creatures. They come up with interesting ideas, don't they? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a great, it's a great mechanism. So, so what is the, the current status uh, in terms of uh, frequency of use uh, for this uh, type of uh, typewriter, the IBM. <laughs> yeah, I think it's I think it's obsolete now officially, yeah. but um, like so many other obsolete technologies, it's embraced by certain you know cultists and fetishists, and and uh, you know Paul Serre obviously uh, is one of those people. He he just got got a hold of one and and went completely to town. And I I also think this may be somewhat clear to people who are you know, checking out the typography in the book, that there's a reference to the scene in the movie The Shining where Jack Nicholson is starting to lose his mind and is typing the same sentence over and over again and arranging it in all sorts of aesthetic and artistic ways on the on the page. And this is there's a moment where Shelley Duvall, his who plays his wife, comes across it and and it's one of the most terrifying and weird parts of the movie because you you just think, oh, no, you know, this is all he's been doing all this time. He's supposedly been working. He's actually just been typing this one sentence over and over again. I think all that, work and all work and no play make Jack a dull boy. Is that that's the, actual? the that's yeah. the sentence? Yeah. yeah. And I think um, I think uh, Paul Sayre was actually conscious of that when he was working because he was he spent a lot of time on this project and he had a, a wife and a child who were probably being 
neglected in the background while he was doing it. Well, yeah, some of the some of the typing, as I say, is fairly straight ahead. But then every once in a while, it is touched by madness. I will say that <laughs> I'm like, this was clearly written at the Overlook uh, Hotel or something. Like something's not yeah. right here, and yeah, like yeah, typing yeah. typing over the type. Uh, just, uh, but it's very captivating and it, it keeps you very engaged. I yeah, will say, yeah, you can't. Paul's la- a big fan of of distressed distress type and yeah. topped up things and he's done he did a previous album cover for us where he he sliced up all the uh typeset stuff and kind of rearranged it and distressed it and so that's yeah. kind of that's one of the one of the things he's he's interested in well i don't mean to go f- too far down a dystopian uh rabbit hole but uh, this seems to be the tone of the conversation so it's appropriate <laughs> no there's a song uh, there's actually some canadian content in a sense that I wanted to get to before we uh, run out of time. And the song yep. is If Day for Winnipeg. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Speaks do you to want to talk about, uh, do you have a sense of where that song sort of came from? And uh, I mean, do you want to yeah. even take a crack at explaining what If Day was? Um, I can't fully explain it, um, but but uh, that was a, that was song was, was penned by... Mr. Flansburg. I see. Um, shall I should uh, I just give a little bit of historical background just so people sure, get it? Sure, yeah, yeah. You you can probably you can probably say it better than me. Well, so to my understanding, uh If Day was a simulated invasion of Canada by the Nazis that took place uh in uh February of nineteen forty two. So the city <laughs> organized uh, a simulation of what it might be like if Nazi Germany invaded Winnipeg in particular, and they staged like a, a firefight uh, between like uh, the Canadian troops and volunteers and people uh, uh, who were pretending to be Germans. And uh, yep. and so the song uh, suggests, as I recall, that uh, If Day is not simply for Winnipeg anymore, that it might uh, be something that <laughs> yeah. other places might contemplate. Uh, simula- uh, such a simulation, I think, Again, that's my interpretation. What what would you like to say about that? If you could say well, anything, well, I, I I guess I would add that that I my guess is that in Flansburg's mind, uh, it's no longer a simulation. That there that there's sort of a suggestion that it's maybe gotten more real, yeah. um, or or that the idea that some bad you know anti democratic events are actually happening all over the place and right, yeah, you know. So that's 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 the thrust of it. I think I think. So the Winnipeg thing is just, this is just a fascinating historical footnote that the city of Winnipeg in Canada decided to do this. But to your point, I mean, I don't know what it's like being, what is it like being an American these days, John? I mean, the last five, six years in particular must be, uh, yeah, it must have been difficult. It's, 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 I would say feels very unprecedented. And I was a kid during, you know, Watergate. And so we, we, I mean, I probably had a very different uh, perspective on the world at that time, but my memory was at that time we felt like uh, the government is full of bad guys, and um, it's it's weird. But then we kind of, you know, with what with uh, Nixon resigning and everything, we kind of felt like, oh well, he didn't, he couldn't get away with it because because uh, yeah. you can't do that, you know, you can't commit crimes and and uh, get away with it. And he and but, he was, but that's not the case anymore. That's not the case anymore, right? <laughs> I don't. I think that we. It still has yet to be seen, but we. But we. Uh, yeah. But we see much more things that would have frightened even Nixon. I think um, uh, have have happened just this year. So it's we're still waiting to find out how that's all gonna gonna shake out. You know, and and uh, yeah, you're right. It's scary and weird. <laughs> I, I. I sometimes I had the, this fantasy that like. Other places like Canada were immune to this, and then I remember you had this mayor of Toronto who was a complete disaster. Uh, not, not yeah, very Rob long ago. Ford. That's right. Yeah, and his brother, his brother is the premier of Ontario. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is, yep. um, uh, which is for American listeners that would be the equivalent of governor, I guess, yep. for a state. And um, one of the reasons we moved. To a different, we moved to a. Oh, really? <laughs> we, well, we moved to. It's, it, this is questionable logic, but we moved to Alberta, which is actually further right. But the but it it actually had broken like a decades long streak of conservative governments by electing the 
in, in Canada, we have the New Democratic Party, which is like the furthest left of, we have a liberal party that's like in the federal power, like, uh, here. Yeah. But there's a, every province has its own premier. So we, they just had a, had an NDP, uh, premier for the first time ever. And then they swung the next election. They swung the furthest right they could go with this new party. It's not, it's not even the conservative party. Right. So, but my wife's family's here and jobs beckon. So we thought, well, well, elections, what are you supposed to do? Like, you know, every, God, you live in New York. Yeah. What kind of governor did you just have? You no, know? I know. Like it's, I know. Yeah. yeah it's, yeah. it's embarrassing it's, and difficult. It is yeah. exactly the, those things. Um, yeah. yeah. I suppose that the, the climate generally, and this seems to be true everywhere, is, uh, this sort of chaotic, uh, swinging. The pendulum is, is sort of flapping around rather than just even swinging in a, in a steady periodic way. It's like wildly, you know, uh, flipping back and forth in, in a chaotic way. Uh, I was just reading in, in apparently in France, there, there, there's now a, a new farther right, uh, alternative to the Le Pen family. Yeah. And they're getting, getting a lot of traction and basically, basically threatening the, the, uh, what I thought was the far right, uh, in France. Yeah. There's no yeah, one, so no have, one's yeah. happy. I mean, this polarization that we all are living through is obviously going to lead to, it's going to manifest itself in these wild swings of, yeah. of opinion and, uh, distress and unhappiness, which, uh, yep. sucks. But, um, I don't want us to end on such a rough note. Uh, do you feel like there's some inherent optimism, uh, in this book project? Like, do you feel like that's the case? Yeah. 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 I do. I, I think it's, I think it, it obviously was a good idea because we, we sold a bunch of them and it, and it, and it's a good, um, you know, a lot of the, I mean, the, the other thing that's weird and new in our situation and in everybody in the arts situation is that we are seeing more and more that there's a kind of crowdsource, there's yeah. some version of crowdsourcing going on so that we have people who are willing to spend more money really helping to support the project so that it can remain going and, and be more freely available for those people who, who are just more casual or passive listeners. So this book is an example of that. It obviously costs more than a normal album, but if enough people buy it, then we can just keep, keep doing this. And I think John, I have to credit John Flansberg. He's been very, very smart about imagining ways to keep going. And, and, you know, I mean, there was a, there was a time, uh, like 200 years ago where you, you had to get a patron, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you had to put on your powdered wig and, and, and go yeah. bow in front of your patron and, and, uh, in order to keep your, your career going as an artist. So maybe there's a little bit of that coming. Oh, back no, it's to uh, totally that. coming mm-hmm. back. By the way, everyone should visit patreon.com slash creative control to, uh, support the support the show yeah no sorry just joking (laughs) well i'm not joking please do uh no 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 it's true it's a weird time but i did notice that a long list of thank yous at the end end of books so these are people yeah you you engage in some sort of crowdfunding to get this book uh those are the those are the people who who make us possible yeah yes so we're like we're like public public television (laughs) you are a lot like public television actually no i'm just uh (laughs) kidding uh so on that note touring behind book is that something foreseeable like can you imagine uh, actually going yeah. out on the road and playing shows right now yes yeah we, we're scheduled to, to go go out again uh, in in next march and we've already canceled all the, we haven't canceled we've actually postponed all the dates twice so far that were supposed to happen in in uh in 2020 oh man i'm um, sorry to hear that it's okay you know we're we're we're, we're um, i mean it makes sense i'm we're soldiering yeah. <laughs> on. and and you know what then uh, speaking of optimism the nice thing is that most people held on to their tickets oh, they did not good. they were welcome to get refunds but they decided to keep the ticket and wait for the the rescheduled date to come around and they've waited very patiently now for more than a year so we're yeah we're looking forward to it happening obviously it'll be um under different circumstances, I, I imagine we'll be, we'll have either a vaccination ID required or or um, mask wearing or both. Yeah. Or, you know, I'm not I'm not really sure how we're going to work it, but it, it'll. We want the shows to be safe. And um, well, who's to say what March and, uh, of 2022 is really going to be like? Uh, so yes, I guess we sort of play know. it by ear. But I appreciate uh, that you're already contemplating protocols. As I alluded to uh, some time ago. 2022 marks the 40th anniversary of They Might Be Giants. Uh, so you've got these That's tour right. dates. Any other plans per se to commemorate? I can't tell if you two 
would really be into recognizing such a milestone. But at the same, because of the darkness and the, but there's darkness, but there's whimsy. We've established that. So is it something you would acknowledge and do something for per se? Well, the hilarious thing is that the, the, the last, this tour that, the 2020 tour was meant to be the 30th anniversary of our f- third album, Flood, which is probably still our yeah. most popular one. And uh, so we'd rehearsed uh, the entire album and we're preparing. And we actually got a little ways into playing songs from that album before the tour got cut short. So that was already an anniversary. But yeah, we, we've been waiting so long that another anniversary, as you point out, has already rolled around. Uh, so uh, yeah, that's fine. I'm, I, I love, I love anniversaries. Uh, uh, it, I think the main thing is that we, we don't like the idea of, of, uh, maybe leaning too hard on the retrospective yeah. element because we feel like we are, we are an ongoing concern and we want, we're, we're very, uh, forward looking. We want to imagine our, our own future and, and, yeah. We're not ready to be lowered gently into the grave yet. Well, I, I mean, usually what happens these days is people uh, will say, oh, there's a milestone year coming up. We got to reissue records. We got to, you know, yeah. uh, do uh, uh, deluxe editions of things. Yeah, so yeah. that's kind of where my mind was going in terms of uh, projects. Uh, beyond touring, I just wondered if you. Is there anything in the works in that, like something, a book? No. Is, don't, nothing no, no, like we that. Don't, okay. We don't have a 40th anniversary uh, thing <laughs> uh, planned. Okay. But, you know, we'll, we're definitely going to keep keep doing stuff. I mean, I don't know what it'll be yet. But I, I think there's a, yeah, I think there's sort of a, it's sort of a back burner thing that we do occasionally put out little packages. Yeah, right. For for those youngsters who who haven't yet been introduced to the band, you know, we maybe will come up with a, Repackaging that's sort of like here's your sampler of they might be trying. We did one of those, and, and, right, right, and uh, okay. we did a box called Dial a Song. Well, Dial a uh, Song, of course, like this is a, a almost infamous thing that you guys did, and uh, that and, and the, you, yeah, and the 40th anniversary of Dial a Song will be in in 2023. So uh, okay, so you're aware forward, of the you're aware that, of yeah. the milestones. You are whimsical enough to be <laughs> uh, cognizant that these milestones are forthcoming. Yes. Well, I hope I hope you do end up doing. Uh, uh, well, first of all, I hope you end up doing shows in Canada because we're not seeing that yet. We're starting to see America. No, no, America. no. Yeah. Although we, you know, recently we did our very uh, was it twenty eighteen? We did our very first all Canada tour, uh, and that was great. That that went really well. And, nice. And uh, we actually had never played Winnipeg before. Oh. And so, or or Edmonton or any of those places. So that was uh, that was really fun. Nice, and, and that worked out well. So we'll, I, I'm sure we'll be back for more of that. You know, we were talking about your talk show appearances on Conan and, and Letterman uh, earlier. I, I I feel neglectful because I will say I have a soft spot for the band uh, because I'm a huge fan of the Larry Sanders show. Oh yeah, and yeah, you, yeah, and yeah. you guys were. I'm a, I have a soft spot for almost every musical guest. That's ever right. that ever did the show because, uh, for those who don't know, the Larry Sanders show was a fake TV talk show, and it was uh, it was really innovative on many levels. It was like the dawn. It was really like sure. a uh, yeah. Just you should check out the show, and and anyway, so the musical performances were not whole. So the band would be playing, but then there would be scenes from the actual show, kind of interspersed between the song, uh, you know, dialogue and stuff going on. What was that experience like? Do you have any recollection or fond memory of doing sure. that in particular? Sure. Yeah. Well, it's funny you bring that up because the main thing I recall is that the cutaway to our performance was Scott Thompson uh, saying something positive about us uh, to Larry Sanders. And I'd met Scott years earlier when we did Conan. We were, we were on Conan at the same time as him. And we realized that we were not only had the same birthday, but we were actually born on the same day. Oh, wow. Um, so we had a whole conversation and, and uh, he was telling me about um, uh, his experience. Oddly, he just brought up the fact that his mother had a twin and how, how what an odd thing that was. I mean, <laughs> uh, not to him, obviously, but, but yeah. uh, that is, he had an identical twin uh, to his mother. and, and His so, aunt was his, exactly it, like his mother. That's weird. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so I just, I, I got to say hello to him again, uh, when we did the, uh, when we did. Well, the other thing about that show was I, I lost my voice. Uh, but luckily I wasn't the one singing the, oh, uh, that's right. The song. And I recall that Mr. Thompson, uh, had a, 
and I now I can't remember what it was, but he had some some cold remedy that he was recommending. Oh. Um because I had a I had a, I had laryngitis because I'd been sick. Uh, like a honey? Was it like a manuka honey or something? It was something like that. Yeah, yeah, probably. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Scott and I have become friendly over the last few years and he's been on this show three or four times. I'm a big uh, fan of his and the kids in the hall. And we actually did a thing where uh, I double purposed a, a magazine piece uh, with Scott where it was like a questionnaire. Uh-huh. And, and for some reason, and normally those things, are, they're not my favorite. They weren't ever my favorite assignment because people were like, ah, I don't know. It was set questions, right? I couldn't just, but I would follow up with them uh, after they said whatever they said. And that led to interesting stuff. Anyway, oddly enough, it's one of the most profound interactions I've ever had with anyone was Scott Thompson of Kids in the Hall answering this questionnaire and talking about how we should all, like one of the things he said was we should all know about every single religion rather than, Uh than saying, you know, my religion is good. These ones are bad. Know them all. Know them all cold so you know where people are coming from because that is sure. one of our major yeah. sort of sources of polarization and, no, yeah, and teams. Yeah, and yeah. he said it, and I was like, right away, I'm like, you know, I don't know enough about religions. I feel unlearned. I've always, yeah. I've always avoided it because I felt like it was tearing us apart more than bringing us together. And my That's parent- really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. Anyway, that's so fascinating. that's what I mean. Scott's just a very brilliant, funny, sweet person so i'm happy you had that interaction yes. and uh, yes yes yeah anyway i just and so, that we we have the exact same uh, birthday you should bear right in mind, so for, yeah so. that's so you're maybe not, maybe uh, maybe that reflects on me well <laughs> if you if you like scott you'll maybe you'll like me i feel like uh, i've learned profound things from this conversation <laughs> yeah no absolutely you're both very profound uh so uh john uh in order to uh direct people to learn more about your band uh and this book uh sorry book the record and book the book very confusing. Yes. It's confusing to say. I don't. I never found it confusing until I just said that. Uh, yeah. Where- <laughs> no. No. I mean. I mean. I'm recalling that. A- a- I don't know if you remember this, but ABBA had a, a movie called Movie. Oh yes, I do. And then, yeah. And then they. And I think that it was called the movie. And then they they had a companion album which was called the album. Right. So I guess this is sort of in that tradition. Reminds me of all the merchandising and uh, Spaceballs. Remember the movie Spaceballs. I do remember the movie. I don't remember the merchandise. It was just like Spaceballs, the book. Spaceballs, the, the oh, water right, softener. Okay, I can't yeah. remember all the product. It right. was just a product line thing. It was a right. joke. Anyway, sorry. If people want to learn more about They Might Be Giants and book, uh, can you think of where to direct them on the uh, internet? Yes. Yes, they can go to DepecheMode.com. <laughs> um, is that uh, – you, you, what did you buy their domain? Is that how that works or are they just helping you out? That's a stock – Joke that Mr. Flansberg made up that I just trot out whenever asked the same question. Um, but I have to credit him. It was his, it was his jape. Yeah. Um, uh, no, you just go, go, just type, they might be giants into the browser window and you'll, you'll find us. Okay. There we are. Okay. Um, and, there's and several, there's several different ways to, to check us out. Are you all, are you in particular, are you with the band? Are you active on social media per se? I am not, although I occasionally lurk. But I don't. I don't have a Facebook persona or any of those things. Um, right. So I try and stay au courant. I try. I try to find out what's going on. But I don't feel like I have anything interesting to say that I want to have to commit to on on social media. You know? <laughs> this is an interesting thing to say after spending an hour with me talking. That's funny. Well, I, I uh, no, this, yeah. is me, this is me talking. You know, I suppose the thing is, we do we do have a presence. That is for the purpose of promoting our project. So that's that's what I'm yes, doing that's here. True. You know. Yeah, that's true. Um, well, now I'm it. now I'm offended. That's all this is to you. You're using me. <laughs> I didn't realize that, right. John. I thought we. I thought we no, had I'm something kidding. special. <laughs> Just kidding. No, uh, but but the, the they might they might be giants has some sort of social media presence. Is that fair? we do we do we've got uh, yeah. all the all the things. We have a Facebook account. We have a Twitter account. We have a um, Instagram. You got uh, it all. We got all of them. Whatever, what I don't okay. know what they are, but we have them. I think those are most of them, uh, as okay. far as I know. Th- those are most of them. Okay, well, uh, so book is uh, is going to be out uh, in a matter of days, October 29th, yeah, uh, 2021. If we can go out on a song from the record, so people get a sense of what we've been talking about, I wonder: uh, A, can you choose a song for us to play? And B, uh, can you tell us why it came to mind? So. I guess the question is, I'm sorry, this in my ignorance, is this a podcast that is, has a Canadian theme or, 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 uh, 
Because no, no you're saying no. Okay, all right. Because I would have yeah. suggested if day for Winnipeg, if that were the case. But um, but we could we could we could uh, play the other song we discussed, synopsis for latecomers, because it's it's an unusual. Maybe that's a bad example because it doesn't sound like a lot of a lot of what we do. I don't. Why don't you choose one? I I, I don't. I don't know. You don't want to choose. You you started to choose and then you bailed. Well, uh, the show is based in Canada. Uh, I am in Alberta, uh, which is relatively close to Manitoba. Yeah, if Day for Winnipeg could be the thing, I know that my let's do it. My wife, it. my wife really enjoys. I can't remember the dream, which has a nice video for it oh, as okay. well. But I don't want to. That's more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're we're getting. That's more like a single. Yeah, yeah. we're getting into focus group territory here, you and I, John. And I feel like uh, <laughs> maybe we should just go with uh, if Day for Winnipeg, since we did discuss it, and it has a Canadian uh, content uh, aspect to it. What do you think? That's that's an excellent choice. I, I would okay. I would go for that fish. Okay, All I right. appreciate this. This is a excellent uh, new music uh, from an excellent new record called Book by They Might Be Giants. This is If Day for Winnipeg. Uh, John, thank you so much for making time for me. This was such a pleasure for me. I hope you enjoyed it, and I wish you the best of luck in the future. I did. I did. Thank you, Vish. It was it was a it was a pleasure. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, thank you very much for listening. And thanks again to John Linnell of They Might Be Giants for appearing on this, the 
uh, 646th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available wherever you get your podcasts. If you can't find an episode that you've heard about and you're looking for it and it's not on any of the uh, podcast platforms that you use there, or, or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my monthly newsletter, please visit my website, vishkana.com, or go to depeshmode.com. There's probably some interesting stuff there, too. You can like Creative Control on uh, Facebook. You can follow the show on Twitter, at Vish Creative, or follow me directly on Twitter or on Instagram, at Vishkana. Also, please visit patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation to sustain this podcast. You heard John and I talking about uh, patrons in the olden days. Well, there are still patrons today. And uh, for me, they they exist on Patreon, patreon.com slash creative control. Now, $6 or more a month from you grants you access to exclusive content And if you're interested in receiving a Creative Control t-shirt, please message me on Patreon and I will get you one just as soon as is humanly possible and while supplies last and uh, as soon as I can get to the postal outlet here in Edmonton, which I don't, I'm a little backlogged here. If you're owed a shirt and you haven't gotten it yet, yet, uh, well, it's only been a couple weeks, get off my back. I'll get, I got your order. I'll get, now I'm just talking to one guy and this feels weird. Thanks again. To Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario, for their in-kind support for this show. Thanks, too, to Jim Guthrie. He lends me some music uh, for his show. He's a beautiful, uh, small man. He's small in stature. He's only like three feet tall, but he's got a lot of music in him. And you can learn more about Jim at uh, jimguthrie.org. He's he's taller than three feet. I was just making a joke. And so what if he was three feet tall? Has he ever been in my pocket? Yes, but not the way I just described. Anyway, jimguthrie.org for more information. I owe Jim a call now. And finally, thank you for listening to this episode with uh, John Linnell of They Might Be Giants. Uh, Maybe that's what happened. I went small because the band is giant. Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it, and we'll uh, check out Book by the Band. It's great. The book and the record are both fantastic. And uh, if you like what you heard today, please subscribe to Creative Control on the podcast thing you use or follow it and tell your friends to do the same maybe or ask them don't tell them don't tell your friends what to do they'll resent you just ask them to do what you do and spread the word about the show and that's all i've got i thank you talk to you soon bye for now Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.